the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, October the 3rd, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On October 3rd, 1995, the jury in the O.J. Simpson murder trial in Los Angeles found the former football star not guilty of the 1994 slayings of his former wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and Ron Goldman. Goldman was apparently her boyfriend at the time. Today, in 1941, Adolf Hitler declared in a speech in Berlin that Russia had been broken and would, quote, never rise again. Today, in 1961, the Dick Van Dyke Show, also starring Mary Tyler Moore, made its debut on CBS. Today, in 1970, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, was established under the Department of Commerce. Today, in 1990, West Germany and East Germany ended 45 years of post-war division. They declared the creation of a reunified country. I was there when they were telling, uh, tearing down the Berlin Wall. I have a piece of it on my desk. I know I've said this before, and some of you who listen every day probably have heard me mention it a number of times. It's a big deal to me because it was it symbolized so many things, and I just happened to be there. I didn't go there because of that. I was there on a Christian mission. We were preaching and uh, holding some services in in Berlin at the time. But, man, teenagers and young adults were crawling all over the wall with hammers and breaking the concrete wall. And so I picked up a piece of it and brought it home with me. And I have it on my desk. But it symbolized, it meant so much more. I mean, the, finally, the, these people, it's like night and day it was at that time between uh, West Berlin and East Berlin and West Germany and East Germany. It was it was just stunning to see the, the, the gray old buildings, the carryover from the 1940s and see how Western Berlin had just thrived during that time. It meant a lot, but it meant so much to the people who were now going to be able to be in a unified Germany and reunite many of them with their families. Today, in 2001, the Senate approved an agreement normalizing trade between the United States and Vietnam. Today, in 2011, an Italian appeals court freed Amanda Knox. Remember Amanda from Seattle? Yeah, she, after four years in prison, she they tossed the murder conviction against Knox. She and her ex-boyfriend had been living together, and they had it was a stabbing of their British roommate who was living with them as well, this Meredith Kircher. And they were charged with the murder, and it was certainly on the news here locally and a, a lot, but it was world news. Finally, today in 2011, they uh, they tossed the murder convictions. She was saying all along, and it may, be, may have been true, I don't know, but she was saying all along that it, the courts were fixed. She sounded a little bit like Donald Trump at the time, said it was a, a hoax, the way they were conducting the trial there. Apparently, others believe that that was the case as well. Today in 2017, Yahoo announced that the largest data breach in history 
had affected all 3 billion accounts on its service, not just the 1 billion it had reported earlier. They were pressured. I remember that pretty well. They were pressured over the the, the first report, the 1 billion report, and they finally came clean and said, yeah, all 3 billion of our accounts have been breached. The internet is a great thing. We are using it as I speak, a part of the, at least a part of the audio that is out there. Uh, we use the internet for a lot of things, and as we all know, it's become integral to our life pretty much. But boy, it sure has brought a new level of exposure for all of us. And I think that was back in 2017. That was an example of that. And there's probably more to come, although the Internet is helpful as well. Hazelbrook Middle School in uh, Tualatin, Oregon. That's a suburb of Portland. I mentioned it last week because a student was filmed there physically attacking a female student. But the school still won't say that the attacker was a boy pretending to be a girl, a transgender. A boy pretending to be a girl, dressed like a girl, but not a girl. They may think they're a girl, but they're not a girl. Hazelbrook Middle School spokesperson, this Tracy Rose now, has come out and told the Oregonian that the school district cannot comment on a student's gender identity due to federal privacy laws. Well, that's not surprising. I remember when our kids were in school, I learned, uh, ironically, I learned that there, there were things you couldn't even say about, to, to, about, they couldn't even tell you about your kids' grades without their permission. That was way back a long time ago. I would never send my children to a public school now, ever. Marjorie and I have talked about this a number of times, and we, we are absolute on it together. We would never do it. Public education has so miserably failed in America. It's become more of an indoctrination experience than an education experience. These kids come shuffling out of these schools with their paper in their hand. They can't even read their can't even read their graduation or their degree or whatever they get. I mean, they're simply not prepared for reality. They're told that there's no right or wrong, and they just sort of stumble through the whole thing. I mean, it's not fair to the kids. It's a travesty. But you see it manifest in these other incidents that happened in the school. Well, anyway, this school has been very coy about not telling the world now. I mean, Newsweek and all these guys are involved in this story. It was first, the story was broke actually by Charlie Kirk, who is the head of the uh, Turning Point USA. It's an organization that has, I don't know, several hundred thousand uh, college students involved in it and others, and um, he's very conservative. He's a deeply committed Christian, and um, he's doing a great great job. And so he was the first guy that put this out there because there were kids in that high school or in that middle school that were somehow involved with his organization, and they knew the person that was attacking, as I understand it, attacking this girl, this girl dressed up, this boy dressed up like a girl kind of a thing. Well, the Hazelbrook Middle School, the spokesperson, this Tracy Rose, she's still out there trying to tell people, well, we can't talk about this. I understand they probably can't, but they're going to great lengths to cover for this transgender. They just won't tell the truth. They won't say it out loud. They won't let anyone else say it out loud. But now there's a second story 
breaking. That was last Thursday, and I mentioned it on this program. Now there's a second incident happening, a second video. That's emerged with the same transgender biological male, according to Charlie Kirk, and he's getting it from kids. I mean, it's coming straight from, you know, the incident. And the, what, he, what he put on, on X today, formerly Twitter, he said, he said that the biological male at Hazelbrook Middle School in Oregon this time violently attacked two other girls. Where are the progressives who claim to defend women? Will they protect young girls from this ser- ser- uh, serial abuser? Now that the second video has come to the office's attention, the superintendent is saying this morning, I too am concerned about a repeated pattern and all the pieces around that. This Reiki Smith, she's the superintendent of schools there. She said, I have to get more information from the school so I can understand that incident. Well, they, you can understand the incident. There's somebody roaming the halls of your school pretending to be a girl and it's a boy and he's beating the tar out of these girls and it should be stopped. If I were a parent of one of these children now that have been beaten up on in the hall and I heard that kind of a response, I would be troubled. (laughs) I would be very upset. She said, I have got to get more information from the school so I can understand that incident how it was investigated, how it relates to the other one, meaning she's talking about the second one now. This is the work that is ahead of me. That's a quote. They use these stupid words. The superintendent then defended the district's progressive discipline policy, which stresses that students can learn from their mistakes. Well, of course students can learn from their mistakes, but this is bizarre. Stresses that students can learn from their mistakes, she especially for minor behavior violations. I wouldn't consider that a minor violation, a a behavior violation. If I were the parent and my daughter, and we have two daughters, if one of my daughters was getting beat up in the hallway at school on video, this little girl, the first one the other day, last Thursday, the first little girl was just, I mean, this this guy, I I mean, according to Charlie Kirk, I mean, he's un unwavering on it. He said, it's a guy. He said, we know that. It's a guy dressed up like a girl. And if that was happening to my daughter, we would not be gathering more information. I mean, it. it, it this superintendent goes on, this Reiki Smith goes on. And I, I don't, you know, I don't know her, obviously, but she says zero tolerance is antithetical to our work as educators. If it is safe for the victim and the school community as a whole to extend an opportunity for the student to relearn different behavior, that is what we do. That's the problem. Newsweek and a number of other national news organizations are now involved in this. They're repeating the story, putting their spin on it, but man, the psalmist wrote, The Lord is the light is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, and whom shall I be afraid? Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. What will he be confident in? 
The Lord is my light and my salvation. Jesus, these are troubling times. Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 13, verse 6 said, So we, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. We live in a crazy world, a culture that is out of control, transgenderism becoming the main theme of public education where we spend trillions of dollars sending children in. They come out indoctrinated, more than educated in many cases. I got a letter, a note from uh, in the mail from a person. We never mentioned names here so you can relax. It's a, a new supporter. They have not supported us before. And uh, it was a, it's a very generous uh, contribution. It says, Dear Gary, I listened to your radio program on truth, freedom, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your boldness and your calling. Hope this donation helps to continue what you do for the Lord. Well, it, it does help, and thank you. We are fully supported by the listeners. We don't have, and we don't have advertisers on our website because they 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 go to places we don't want to go on our website. We are 100% funded by the people who believe in this ministry and want to be a part of it and help sustain it and expand it. Um, I feel very comfortable with that, and thank you, all of you, who understand and are a part of that. Got this note from a lady. She said, hi, Gary, so appreciate having you on the radio. You turn on the light and help me understand the lingo that the left uses. I, I, I hope I, I help with the lingo. Sometimes I have a hard time with their lingo as well. You can't quite get to what they are really trying to talk about, but that's part of what the left does. They always want to keep you in the gray on the margins with the light partially on and mostly off. But we do our best to try to explain what's going on in the world today. And thank you all for your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can go on our website. We publish an article there every day that I write. And we source it well. We quote a lot of people and we source it so you can follow up and, and look at more information if you want. But that is faith and freedom, faith and freedom.us, not .com, but .us. A judge, a retired judge, now the president of a seminary, dynamic Christian guy, he declares, or he says, the culture is declaring war on the children. And he's asking, and he's a committed Christian, goes to church, is a seminary president preparing young men and women for ministry and so on. He says, where is the church in the melees of our culture today? I think that's a good question. I want to take a look at that today with you. After a distinguished career as a lawyer and a judge, Phil Jinn, 
He's retired as Senior Resident Superior Court Judge of the 24th Judicial District in North Carolina. Interesting, throughout his 22-year judicial career, he was privileged to hold court in almost 50% of the county seats in North Carolina. Currently, Judge Jin serves as the president of Southern Evangelical Seminary. He now says the culture is declaring war on the children and families and asks, where is, where is the church? He says, quote, outrage may be one of those words like triggered. He said its use has been so augmented so many times for more mundane matters that it no longer can describe the utter feeling of disgust that arises from a careful view of the hidden cracks in our culture. And he said, quote, a case in point came recently when it was reported that over 1,072 kids, children, have gone missing in Cleveland, Ohio, alone since the beginning of this year, with 45 of them vanishing so far in the month of September. That was the last report that came out. Ironically, the day after the story was published, it had all but disappeared from the headline page. He says, apparently the loss of over a thousand of our children is insufficient to stir the heartstrings of the readers of Fox News, where the story was, was run. He has a point. Continuing, he said, so if this message from the great state of Ohio doesn't move the needle for you, let's take a look at some other statistical information that might have a different and more urgent effect. He said, according to the Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention, every 40 seconds a child goes missing in the U.S. Every 40 seconds. If you're too slow to count, he says, that's over 2,100 per day. In reality, he says, over 800,000 children are reporting missing each year, and another 500,000 go missing without ever being reported. After more uh, statistics, and he goes through a lot of them, he notes, only God knows how many precious children are undergoing horrific torture at the moment because our own government surely has no real idea and honestly doesn't even seem to care. Indeed, there is a war on children and family. I agree with him. He talks about hope. He said, there is little hope on the horizon from any level of government, especially the one based in Washington, D.C. The judge says, in fact, the the present administration seems to be far from interested in, far more interested in, murdering unborn children, indoctrinating the innocent minds and mutilating the bodies of even our youngest children without the knowledge and consent of the parents, all in the name of sexual freedom. He said they're more so than trying to find and help the millions of exploited children living in hell with the human trafficking. Even more concerning are the implications that very important people are benefiting in some way from the misery of these precious little ones. The judge says, with all the investigations currently churning in our nation, have you ever stopped to think about the seemingly intentional shroud of secrecy that's now enveloped the matters uh, involving Jeffrey Epstein and Glissane Maxwell? Have you? They're gone. I mean, you never think about them. I mean, not that they're people you want to think about, but you never hear anything about that. That began to become a non-story 
once that list of people who had flown out to that island of Epstein's where he had 12-year-old girls out there waiting for them or whatever, that began to become a non-story once that list was exposed. Bill Clinton had been out there, was it, I think, 20 sometimes? Yeah, Bill Clinton, of course. Others that we know, other names were on that list. They'd been on the manifest that on that private plane, what they call it, Lolita or something like that. I, I mean, that story has gone away. Bill Gates had been out there several times. A whole list of people that everybody knows who they are. I agree with the judge. God help us. He said, the, que- the question, though, that we must face is, where is the church in these matters? He said, we're not hearing from the church. And then he talks about what they're doing at the seminary. And I'm not necessarily advertising the seminary, but it's a, it's, it's a very good seminary. And uh, I, I don't have any connection to it, but I know a little bit about it. But he says, at Southern Evangelical Seminary, we believe in natural law, particularly as it applies to the sanctity of the nuclear human family that should consist of a real father and a real mother nurturing their children physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. He says, Satan knows that America cannot stand if this traditional family structure is destroyed. And that's why he's attacking it so vehemently. He said, now through every means, including our own government. If the family is under attack and if our children are being destroyed, he says, every minute in one way or another, the question must be asked, where is the church? When it comes to our precious children, sadly, the organized church in America is by and large missing in action. Perhaps it is fear that compels us not to act, or maybe it's some misconceived notion that we ought just to stick to theology and not get involved in politics. I hear that myself sometimes. Gary, how could you be in politics? I'm not in politics. I'm not running for anything. I'm just trying to share the gospel in the culture and change people's minds if they're on the wrong path and point them back to God's word. Turn on a lamp. The Bible, scripture, basic fundamental Judeo-Christian values and principles. He says the church is missing in action, and sadly it is in too many cases. Not all, but too many. He says as painful as it is to say, it may well be nothing more than the complacency, not just some conviction that we should only talk about theology as a church, He said, but as painful as it may be, it may be nothing more than complacency that's driving the malaise of our organized church. He said, God forbid that it would only be be to protect our social status and our bank accounts. He says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 14, he said, Jesus instructed his disciples, let the little children come unto me, do not hinder them. Suffer the little children to come unto me, in the King James. He said, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. He goes on, he said in Luke chapter 2, verse 17, Jesus again admonishes his disciples when he tells them it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and if he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin in the translation that he's quoting. 
But based on these two verses alone, he said, we know for sure what Jesus' opinion is regarding these innocent souls. So he said, in the end, maybe it's not outrage that we should feel. Maybe it's the righteous indignation of Jesus as he made whip cords, recorded in John chapter 2, verse 15, and commenced clearing out the temple because it had ceased to be worthy of its existence and purpose. That's pretty strong words from a judge, a career judge, and now a seminary president. That's what he says. At the risk of making enemies with some of my friends, he said, it's time for pastors to come out from behind their pulpits and believers to get their backsides out of their favorite pews and proclaim to the world that the lives of our precious children matter and that this nation under God matters as well. He said, the church throughout history has often sat on its haunches and done nothing in the face of evil. It happened in Germany, it happened in Russia, and it has happened many times in our own United States, including, he said, in my beloved Southland, talking about Carolina, North Carolina in his case. Now the time of our redemption has come. It is time for us to get whipcord mad like Jesus did. The church must lead or get out of the way, for God's wrath will not be stayed forever from this land, he says. That's true. We must find deep within us the moral courage and the resolve to be the church that Christ intended us to be. So let the spiritual revolution begin now in the hearts of God's people. He said our children, our nation, depend on it. Norman Geisler is the co-founder of Southern Evangelical Seminary. He's often quoted. I quote him quite often. He's written books. He's a prolific speaker. He has said, quote, If we teach students there is no right and wrong, why are we surprised when a couple of students gun down their classmates or a teenage mother leaves her baby in a trash can? He also said this. He said, Christians are not supposed to just have faith. Christians are commanded to know what they believe and why they believe it. They're commanded to give answers to those who ask. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. And to demolish arguments against the Christian faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. Have you ever heard that? I don't think I have time left this morning to, to read this to you. I haven't memorized it. But have you ever heard that? saying that says he was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant. He grew up in another village where he worked as a carpenter uh, shop until it worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never lived in a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. Have you heard that before? Of course we have. He did none of those things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to the enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his garments and the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the piety of a friend. Centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race. 
All of the armies that ever marched, all of the navies that ever sailed, all of the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on earth as much as that one solitary life. Jesus Christ died for our sins, was raised from the dead, and changed humanity and this world forever and ever. So be encouraged. We'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.